lift others. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. To Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. for the word. About seven of you guys said you're ready for the word here. Listen, this second service, y'all got no excuse here. Are you ready for the word? That's a little better right there. Okay. Well, uh, we've been in a series called Supernatural Faith, and uh, I want to wrap that up today. uh, And because we've been in this for a little while, I tell you what, I could talk about this all year because it's something that is dear to our heart. And I also believe it's something that the American church is losing. They're losing their faith for the supernatural. Uh, we, we, we can't be pleased enough with a, a church full of people and lights and smoke and good preaching. We must have supernatural power in our lives. Can I get an amen on that? We have to put a demand on heaven that we have the Christianity of the book of Acts. We have to put a demand on heaven that, that we, people need God's power. They need his favor. We need uh, heaven to come into our families and break addictions and heal areas of brokenheartedness or, 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 or trauma in people's lives. And the way this happens is through the supernatural. So we started off a few weeks back talking about understanding that God is a supernatural God. We took you through Exodus chapter 32 when the, the Israelites didn't like how God was moving. They thought he was taking too long. They thought, why is Moses up on the mountain and God's not here with us? And so they got this bright idea. Let's make church and let's make God in our image based on what we like. And so they melted a calf together. And for many years, I thought, oh, they, they, they created a different God. That's not what they did. What they actually did is they tried to change the form of God into something that they wanted and something that they liked. And they actually called that calf in the story, they called him Jehovah. They used, they called him Yahweh. They used that name and said, the God that brought us out of the Red Sea, this is him. This is the box he fits in. He's a calf, which means this, he's not very scary because nobody's afraid of a calf. They they took their blessings, which was the gold, and they made an idol out of their blessing. How many of you know a lot of American Christians do that? They only go to church to get the blessing. And when they get the blessing, many times we don't see them serving like God, like they used to, because they got what they wanted, and now they move on. That's what we talked about there. We talked about why it's important to understand that God is a supernatural God. 
The God that healed yesterday heals today and he'll heal tomorrow. Hebrews tells us that God, Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So we have a divine right to believe that if God did miracles in the Bible, he'll do them for you. If God relieved the widow's debt in the Old Testament, he'll do it for you. If God healed sickness yesterday, he'll do it today, and he'll continue to do it tomorrow. We spent about two weeks talking about that because I feel like religion today has got us to the place to where we kind of think, well, God doesn't really move like that anymore. He does. But he only moves like that for people that dare believe for it. We talked about how there's a whole movement in, in Christianity in the body of Christ called cessation theologists that believe that all that stuff, all the miracles and all the, the, the supernatural things stopped with the death of the 12 apostles. But there's not a single scripture that backs up that theory. So therefore, we throw it out. And I got to tell you, I have seen in my 30 years of serving God, miracle after miracle in my own life, because I believed. And I'm telling you, we, will, we are and we always will be a church that believes in miracles. I don't want to just be a church that has a good church. We can't, you know, oh, it's, it's a nice building, it's nice lights, it's all this, it's good music. No, we've got to have his power. Because you've got cousins that unless God gets a hold of them, they ain't changing. Oh, come on. Some of you brought them to church with you today. Amen. Just elbow them. Just elbow them. Unless God breaks that addiction, it ain't changing. It ain't changing. Do you know there's people that, that deal drugs, go to jail, come back out and still deal drugs? Because they ain't changing. They ain't changing. Unless... They encounter God's power. Come on, you know it and I know it. Amen? A nice church service and a nice church ain't going to do it. They ain't going to do it. These South Sacramento devils ain't going to back down because we can clap our hands. They need, we need to be a people that will believe God for supernatural things. So I'm just recapping for you. So we talked about that for a couple weeks. And then we kicked it into gear. We talked about the gateway to the supernatural. And we began to talk about the, the praying in tongues. We talked about how important it is that every believer is filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, this is becoming a lost message in America many times. People have moved away from this. Why? Because it makes people feel uncomfortable. And can I just tell you something about being uncomfortable? Being in uncomfortable places is where you grow. If it's just being comfortable, you'll never grow. You'll never grow. And so there are things in God's word that are going to make you uncomfortable. And, you know, they're going to make your friends uncomfortable, going to make your families uncomfortable. And unfortunately, one of these things is praying in other tongues. Now, it doesn't make you uncomfortable when you have understanding in God's word. And I want to encourage you, go back and, and listen to that message on the podcast. We talked about why it's important to pray in other tongues. We talked about God so loved the world that he gave his best gift. And his best gift was his only son, Jesus Christ. But then God, the son, comes to the earth. And he so loved, not the world, the church. So much does he love the church that he calls it his bride. And because Jesus, the son, is just as much as God as God, the father, he goes, well, I'm going to bring my best gift. And what does he bring? 
He tells his disciples, I must go so that I could send the comforter. The best gift that I could give you is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' best gift to the church is the Holy Spirit. And we saw that on the day of Pentecost. He sends the gift of the Holy Spirit. But now the third head in the Trinity comes to earth and he goes, I'm not going to be outdone by God the Father or God the Son because the three are one. So the Holy Spirit's best gift to you and I is a supernatural prayer language. And we saw on the day of Pentecost, everybody that came together, the Spirit came. And the evidence that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to pray in other tongues. Now, I know that that is uncomfortable for for people, especially people that are not spirit-led. They're head-led. They're led by their intellect. People that haven't given Jesus control, but they're in control. They always struggle with this thing. Listen, there's nothing to struggle with. We read the scriptures. We read the scriptures. We see it in God's word. And then we ask God to fill us. And we saw in that two-week period, we had 70 people get filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. 70 people in those four services. Come on, give God a good praise clap for that. And if, and if you, didn't get, you didn't get filled, you, you, need to, you need to get filled. Because it's the Holy Spirit's best gift. He doesn't come and give us, you know, he doesn't do like some of us do. Come on, somebody. You ever re-gift a gift? He don't do that. He's like, what's the most precious thing I have? Most precious thing the Holy Spirit could give us is a gateway to the supernatural in the form of a prayer language. Why is this so precious? Because, guys, we're limited. You don't know everything to pray about. You ever come home and your husband's just acting weird? What's what's the matter, honey? Nothing. I'm good. He's slamming things around in the garage. Come on, somebody. You're like, I know something's wrong with him. You go in your prayer closet. Guess what you can do? Father, bless my husband. I don't know what's wrong with him, but you do. And when you pray in those other tongues, you pray the perfect prayer. Come on, man. You know you can't figure out your wife. Quit trying. She mad today? I don't know if she's mad. Sometimes when she's mad, she's a, she wasn't mad yesterday, but now she's mad. We were just having a great conversation, and now quit figuring it out. You know what you do? Go in your room. Lord, bless her. Help her. Amen? Instead of praying those prayers that you pray without the Holy Spirit. God, fix my husband. He's so stupid, Lord. God, make him smarter. God, teach him how to love me. God, help my wife. She's always so emotional. Blah, blah, blah. See, that you, you pray so limited without the Holy Spirit. And I, I won't even get started when you're praying for your kids. Amen? When you don't know what's going on. Amen? You're, how many know you're supposed to know, but you don't know? Amen? Uh, they don't tell us everything as they get older. So when I pray for my kids, they don't stand a chance. They don't stand a chance. Son, what's wrong? Nothing goes into his room. Oh, I'm going to get you there. I'm going to go in the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost knows what's wrong. And I'm going to go. And the Bible says when we pray in those other tongues, he creates intercession for us. And he prays exactly. And you know what he prays? God, get that girl out of his life. Break up that relationship. Oh, I'm scaring some of y'all right now. I see you. 
He prays whatever is the problem. Amen. And so we talked about why that's important. We spent a couple weeks on why we need to pray in other tongues. And then we switched gears. We talked about the key to the supernatural, which is something called obedience. Because every time in the Bible somebody prayed for a miracle, God would send an instruction, not a miracle. Oh, you need to catch this today. Because some of you have been praying for miracles and then sitting outside like this. Listen, if you're praying for a miracle, guess what? He's going to give you an instruction. It comes with an instruction. And the instruction is your obedience that will produce the miracle. And we talked about Naaman. We had that whole time we looked at Naaman and he goes to the man of God and he's like, I need to be healed of my leprosy. And leprosy is the condition of sin in the Bible. It's, it represents that. And he goes to the prophet and he even says, as he goes to the prophet and the prophet says, hey, doesn't even go talk to him, sends a, a servant out. And he says, hey, man, go tell that dude to go dip in the Jordan seven times. Naaman's all upset. Why didn't that pastor even come say hi to me? He didn't even come. He didn't even, he's not even friendly at that church. He didn't even come out and say hi. Why I got to go dip in the river seven times? Why can't I do, you know, it'd be better if he said three times, one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. But he says seven times, and we talked about what that was about. It's about the process of obedience. That means this, when you're going to follow Jesus, you don't just obey him one time. Y'all ever see those Christians that obey him one time? They prayed a prayer one time, but they don't obey him with nothing else. They're still sleeping with their girlfriend. They're still drinking and getting drunk. They're still, you're still using drugs, still talking like sailors at work. They don't do anything. Oh, but they go to church and they base everything off of a one-time obedience of going to an altar and saying a prayer. We looked at that story and said, hey, it's, obedience is a process. You need to obey step by step. Sure, you come to the altar and you say a prayer. But you know what else you got to do after that? Now you got to obey what the word of God says, which is to be planted in a church. To be planted. And we talked about all those things. Please, I want to encourage you, go on the podcast and listen to those messages. Because it'll help you. It'll, it'll help get you unstuck. It'll help you see what it is you're missing uh, when it comes to experiencing God supernaturally. See, we want God to move, but we don't want to do nothing about it. We want to live how we want to live. We want to do what we want to do and be like, God, I need this. Help. And that's why you don't see God move. We talked about why we don't see God's power in America. Could it be because we have churches full of disobedient believers? Could it be we got, we got people that are coming together all disobedient, yet we're crying out for the power when the, the, the key to the supernatural is your obedience. What is it you need from God? I tell you what, there's an instruction on how to get it. And your key to the supernatural is will you obey it? Amen? Amen. Let's keep going. So that's what we've been talking about, the process of obedience. Today I want to cap this whole series off talking about faith for the supernatural. Faith for the supernatural. Let's look at Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Very familiar scripture here. Before we read it, you need to understand this. Just because you've read it before, just because you know it doesn't mean you know it. Amen? Just because you know it doesn't mean you know it. And so you, don't, you want to be real careful not to go, oh, I've heard this before. Oh, I know what this scripture is about. Da, da, da. No, allow God to breathe something fresh on it this morning. It says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things that are not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now. We praise you for every person that took time to get dressed, get out of bed, and come to the house of God. Lord, I know that you're just like us. When, when, when the house is full of the kids, you're happy. And your kids have come to church today, Father. And I pray that you would speak to them, that you would drop some revelation in their hearts. I pray that every person would be open to what you would say to them, the instruction that you would give them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So how do we get the supernatural in our life? Guys, we got to live by faith. We've got to learn how to operate by faith. You know, people talk about all the time. I remember when Pastor Chris Sarno was here. He said, you know, uh, a lot of people say I don't have big enough faith. My faith is little. And he made the term, he, he said the term, he said that uh, faith is not a container. It's an obtainer. It's not something that you need a lot of. It's not this thing that you just store up. Oh, I've got big faith. No, it's something that you use in the moment to grab something from the unseen realm. Now, it's, it's so important because now that you understand that God's a supernatural God, that your gateway to talk to him is to pray in tongues, and that your way to access things supernaturally by him is through your obedience, it's so important that you understand that it is by faith that you obtain the promises that God has for your life. Now, I want to read this uh, same scripture in Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, in the Passion Translation. It says, now faith brings our hope into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. I'm going to break this down for you in a little bit. The testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Now there's so much in that that I just want to break down to you. And I love the way the Passion Translation kind of breaks it down for us. Because for years I learned this from the New King James and there's a lot there. But I love how the Passion Translation just kind of opens it up. I want you to write down five points about supernatural faith, okay? I want you to write these things down today. This is going to help you with whatever you're believing God to do in your life. And if you're taking notes right now, I want you to bring to the forefront of your mind, of your imagination, uh, of your thinking, what are some things that you're hoping that God will do in your life? What are some things that you're believing God for? It could be anything. It could be material things. It could be, God, I need an anointing over my life. God, I believe you called me into ministry. Whatever it is, I want you to just pull that thing that you're hoping for right up to the forefront of your mind and write it down on your paper or whatever you're taking notes on, your phone, your iPad. What is it that you're hoping God will do? 
I know there's a lot of people that are believing that they're going to have another child or they're going to have a healthy baby. Can I get an amen on that? There's some of you here that are believing that God's going to open an opportunity for you to own a home. Amen? Or a second home. Amen? Some of you are believing God for a job or a better job. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're just like, God, I just need enough money every month to pay my bills. Whatever you're hoping for, if you're hoping for your business to take off, to thrive, to go. Listen, you need this message today because I'm going to break down to you how to pull these things into your reality. Okay, so so these five points right here, I want you to catch this. Number one. The first thing you need to know about faith, supernatural faith, I'm getting all of these out of Hebrews 11, is this. Faith is what brings our hopes into reality. What are you hoping for? What are you believing for? Come on, I'm talking about even natural needs. What do you believe in God to do for you? Come on, are you single? You want to get married? You believe in God for a good man? Emphasis on good? Because there's men out there, amen? But you want a good man, you better pray about it. And you better do something else besides just pray. You better use faith because it's what, that is what is going to bring your hope into your reality. Can I get an amen on that? Come on, you, you, you see this beautiful wife of mine right here in the front row? We have been married now for 12, I'm sorry, for 22 years. It seems like 12, baby. It seems like 12. We've been married now for 22 years. But did you know when I was 19 years old and God called me into the ministry and I, was, I, I just broke up with a girl that, that wasn't good for me and I said, God, what do I do now? He says, you believe me for your wife. I said, okay, God, you got, uh, you got a couple weeks. God says, no, no, it don't work like that. You trust me. And that trust took me into an eight-year period where I didn't date. And let me just say this. I had options, y'all. I had options. Because some of you are all like, dang, eight years date? You must have been busted. No, no, no. I had options. But during that time, you know what I was doing? I was using faith to bring what I was hoping for into my reality. Single people, you need to catch this. So what is faith? Well, we know in this church we've been taught that faith is believing and speaking. And where do we get that from? We get that from Mark 11, 23 and 24. Okay? If you don't know that verse, that is the ABCs of Christianity. That should be in your memory. That should be part of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You should know Mark 11, 23, 24. Because it tells you what faith is. Listen, it says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, here it is, but believes that the things he says will be done, he will have what he says. That, my friends, is believing and speaking. Believing and speaking. That's what faith is. Anytime you see the word faith in the Bible, you will need to understand that it means believing and speaking. But it also means, and we also know this from this church, that faith is also acting on God's word. 
So you coming to church is the action of going to church because the Bible tells us we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves. So you getting in your car, coming to church, and being here is an act of faith because you're acting on God's Word. So I got a room full of people that are in faith this morning. Can I get an amen? So those are your definitions of faith because a lot of people confuse, well, what is faith? Well, I'm in faith. They think if I just believe something that that's faith and that is not true. There's going to be a lot of people that don't make it to heaven believing the right thing because it's not believing in Jesus Christ that takes you to heaven. It's having faith in Jesus Christ that gives you salvation. The Bible actually says that there'll be people in hell that they will say, Jesus, Jesus. And he says, hey, depart from me. I never knew you. You can't come into heaven. They will die believing the right thing because it's not believing that saves you. It's acting on what you believe. Oh, can I help somebody today? That's why you just can't live how you live and be like, oh, yeah, I believe in you. Listen, devils believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. And they ain't going to make it into heaven. Are you tracking with me today? So faith is acting on God's word. And faith is what brings our hopes into reality. Believing and speaking is what brings your hope into my reality. So for those eight years, you know what I did? I would walk my bedroom floor. And I would say, Father, I thank you for sending me the right wife. Lord, I know you've called me to go to the nations. You've called me to plant churches. Lord, I know it's going to be a life of sacrifice. I can't have one of these, lot, these wives that love security over obeying you. I can't have one of these wives that they're just worried about the money and the bills. I got to have this woman that God that you have for me that when I got to go to the nations, she says, go on, baby, go get them. And I'd have talks with God. I got God. I can't have one of these wives. It's like, are you leaving again? <laughs> are you going? You're leaving us again. Say, God, don't give me one of those. Don't give me one of those whiners, God, because there's kingdom work to do. Oh, you're laughing, but I had those conversations. God, I can't have a woman that I can't trust. I can't have a woman that if I'm if I'm gonna be preaching, she's gonna be creeping. No. No, uh-uh. I can't have that God. So I imagine heaven said, oh, you're going to have to wait a while then before I get one of those. And I did. Eight years of believing and speaking. I used to have this place I would go to in Ocala, Florida, where they were building houses. And so they had these streets, but no houses on them because they had been plots and stuff. I would go out there and park my car, uh, sit on the hood of the car and just be like, okay, God, Father, I thank you. You have a wife for me. I have a wife. uh, You have a wife for me, Lord God, that's going to help me accomplish the plan and the purpose of God for my life. My faith was pulling that into my reality. Are you tracking with me? You need to do that for what you're believing for. I don't know what you're believing for. I don't know how impossible it looks. Yo, I don't know what you're going through, but your faith is an obtainer of the promises of God. What is your faith? Believing and speaking, believing and speaking. Amen? So the first thing you got to understand is faith is what brings your hopes into reality, okay? Faith, believing and speaking, acting on God's word. Number two, 
Faith is the foundation needed to acquire the things that you hope for. It's the foundation. Catch this now. It's the foundation. What does that mean? It's where you start. What is it you're believing God for? You know where you start? With this. With your mouth. Start saying the right thing. Some people say, oh, well, Pastor, I believe it when I see it. It's too late. You don't need to believe it then. You see it, dummy. Why do you got to believe it? It's right there. That's not how this, thing's work. this thing works. Faith is the foundation needed to acquire the things we hope for. Remember, what is faith? Believing and speaking is the foundation needed to acquire the things we hope for. So the foundation where you start to obtain your promises is you got to start saying the right thing. You got to start speaking the right thing. Now, I've told you this before. How many times is it going to take before you start doing what you know you should be doing already. we got to start speaking the right thing. That's where it all starts. In other words, this. Most people are wanting their supernatural miracle without a foundation. It doesn't work like that, baby. Ask one of our contractors here. Ask Jim Klein. You can't build a house without a foundation. The first thing you got to do before the miracle can come is lay the foundation, which is this. First thing you got to do, you got to start speaking it. You got to start speaking it. You got to start declaring it. So I would go in my room, and, and, and I'm, I'm not teaching you something I read in a book, y'all. I'm 30 years into this thing in ministry. Everything that I've obtained in life has come from me doing what my father did. Look at Hebrews 11. You know what it says at the end there? It says, so that the things which you're seeing were not made of things which are visible. And in, the, and in the Passion Translation, it says it like this. Faith empowers us to see the universe that was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's word. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. That's how your daddy did it. He spoke. And then it came. He spoke and then it came. Tell your neighbor, start acting like your daddy. I see some of y'all, you're not used to hearing that. You're used to hearing the opposite. Boy, quit being like your daddy. I just said the word daddy. Some of you had a Vietnam flashback right there. Listen, this is your heavenly father I'm talking about. Stay with me now. Because, I mean, let me get you to understand something. This is your inheritance. It's your inheritance. When you got saved, God adopted you into the family of God. Jesus' blood went over your, over your whole life. Your spirit washed you clean. And in the spirit, he took away everything that said you could not be in the family of God. Sinner, hater, whatever it was, wiped it down and said, here is your adoption papers. God is your dad. Everything he has is yours as your inheritance. So Jesus comes to the earth to redeem mankind. But what is the main message he preaches? The kingdom of God. You know what that phrase means, the kingdom of God? It means how God does things. Jesus's, the majority of Jesus' ministry was going around the earth telling people, hey, 
This is how your dad does it. I know how you do it, but this is how heaven does it. And when you read the Gospels, it, all, it talks about Jesus went around all the world, all the land, preaching the kingdom. What does that kingdom mean? How God does things. So he would describe, this is how God, thing, God does things. It's like a seed. And he would go, the kingdom of God is like a field. And he would explain to you and I how God does things. You want to know why he explains that? So you'll start acting like him. Boy, if we could get a people that would start acting like their dad and start doing what he did. How did he create the world? He spoke it. Let me take you over to Matthew 12, 34 through 37. I want you to catch this today, okay? Because some of you have heard this before, but it's time you just quit hearing and you start doing. Because, you know, the Bible says this, when you just hear and you don't do, you deceive yourself. You got to understand when you come to church, it comes with homework. Amen. Let me give it to you like this. Matthew 12, 34 through 37. This is your loving savior talking right here. Come on. You know, the one with the nice hair in the pictures carrying the carrying the little lamb. This is what he says right here. He's coming at the Pharisees and he says this, you brood of vipers. Now, let me break that down in South Sacramento real quick, because one translation says this. He says, you generation of vipers. The South Sac translation is this. You're a snake. And your mama's a snake. And your mama's mama is a snake. That's what he's saying right here. Nice little Jesus. And look what he says. He says, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Says a good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, listen, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words, you're going to be justified, or by your words, you will be condemned. That's how serious this is, y'all. That's how serious this is. Can, I just, can we get real for a minute? You got to quit complaining about life. Write this down. Complaining is the language of slaves, and it changes nothing. Changes nothing. And some of us, all we do is complain. And everybody that loves you around you, we're tired of it. <laughs> you think your husband wants to hear that all the time? No, he doesn't. You think your wife wants to hear you complain about your job every day? She doesn't. How was your day? How was work? Oh, it was terrible. It was this, it was that. It was hard. It's so hard. Yo, man, we know it's hard. It's called work. If it was fun, it'd be called playing. Amen? We complain about our jobs. We complain about our spouses. We complain about our kids, the kids you prayed for, the kids that act just like you. 
Hey, you prayed for that husband. Now all you do is complain about it. You purchased that house. Now it's not enough. It's not this. It's not. Quit complaining. Because it is a misuse of your greatest weapon, which is your words. Now, nobody's saying it's not hard. Nobody's saying things aren't rough. But what you've got to learn is discipline to watch your words. Because you'll never get supernatural outcomes in your life so doggone negative. It ain't happening. Well, Pastor, I've been single for so long and so hard and all these guys are jerks. First of all, you're fishing in the wrong pond. Which means you're probably using the wrong bait. Hello, Instagram models. Listen, we got to control this thing. We got to control this thing because this is the thing that's going to get you out. Are you guys tracking it? Wherever you're at in life, you hate your life, this is what's going to get you out. Because Hebrews 11, the foundation is faith. Speaking, believing, and speaking. So instead of complaining about the job, believe and speak God's word. Instead of complaining about your husband, believe and speak. With a smile. Come on, somebody. Instead of complaining, period, don't let your mind go that way. You've got to understand that you've got to use your words and use them wisely because Jesus says, this is how serious it is, y'all. You're going to have to give an account of what did you do with that precious gift of words. He's going to say, what'd you do? You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, hey, God, I believe and spoke my wife into existence. I believe and spoke a church right over here on Florin Road. I believe and spoke some good kids. I believe and spoke almost 50 nations that I would go preach to. I believe and spoke a couple houses. I believe and spoke. Are you, are you tracking with me? See, I'm going to go and say that. What will you go and say? Let's change it today if it ain't good stuff. Let's change it, Mondo, if it ain't good stuff. Come on, let's change this thing. Whatever, we could flip it right now. Say, God, forgive me. Give me the life that I want to have. And he says, lay the foundation. Believe and speak. This is better than you're letting on. Are you getting something today? Amen? All right, let me keep going because I'm already over time. Maybe that's why you're giving me the stink eye. Amen? All right, so number three, let me get you this third point real quick. Our faith is the evidence of the unseen that we're believing for. When we don't see what we're believing for sometimes, how many of you understand this? We can get discouraged. We can get discouraged. We must beware of discouragement. Discouragement is the thing that'll, it is the thief of believing and speaking. I remember when we were out looking for a house, we would go out, I didn't see a single house we wanted to buy. All the houses that I wanted, couldn't afford so discouraged, y'all. I mean, that process went long, and it was discouraging. I would, I would get in the car, leave the realtor with just tears in my eyes, like, man, is this ever going to happen? God, you said you gave us a promise, and, and then I would have to dust myself off and go back to believing and speaking. 
See, discouragement happens to us all, guys. Man, when we were in this church trying to get in this building, whew, discouragement moved in with me. Got in my bed, amen? It was right there when I woke up. Oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Discouraged all the time. And see, what the enemy wants to do is if you can just put discouragement on you, you'll stop believing and speaking. Single people, man, I know it's tough. It's discouraging, y'all. It's discouraging, but you got to shake that off and be like, nope, God's got somebody for me. And he looks good. And he can pay the bills. He's got the skills to pay the bills. And he's godly. And he goes to church. Oh, he didn't give me no amen, single people, because you're still battling that discouragement. But pastor, every time I get on my, my what's the, I don't know what the name of the dating app is. Every, they're just jerks. I get it, but there's one out there. You should have saw the pickings around me before my wife came. Let's just say they were slim. Wasn't much. But God brought her. He'll do the same for you. Man, we live in a great house right now, and it was like it was hiding for it from us for months. But God, out of nowhere, gave it to us. He could do it, but you've got to avoid discouragement. Amen? And get back to believing and speaking. All right? Number four, faith is what our forefathers used to build incredible testimonies. Uh, this is what uh, uh, the writer of, of Hebrews goes into right here. He goes into the rest of the chapter. Read it on your own. He goes all the way back to Cain and Abel and Abram. And he goes on to Noah. And he he's telling all these incredible things. He goes, this is what... Your forefathers did to, 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 to please God. You know what he's trying to tell you? Hey, this is the kind of blood you come from. Have you ever had, do you ever have anybody in your family that broke it down to you who you are? Has your grandpappy ever sat you down and said, son, I came here an immigrant with nothing. And I got a job. And I started a business and you can do it too. You know what those stories do? They show you that you come from good stock. Now, maybe some of y'all didn't have that. I pray you're the first. I pray you sit your grandchild down and you go, mijo, come over here. You know, there was a time I was on drugs. There was a time I was lost, but Jesus pulled me out of the muck and the mire and he put me on the rock. See, when you tell those stories, it builds identity in your kids. They need to know they come from something. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is doing for us in Hebrews 11. He goes on, spends the rest of the chapter talking about the heroes of faith. He's trying to tell you, this is your people. Snap out of it. Have faith. You come from good stock. Listen, Christians aren't weak. I don't know who lied to you. I don't know who told you that you, oh, Christians, you know, oh, that church thing. Got you singing songs like, if you scared, go to church. I don't know who they talking about. To be a Christian, it takes strength. It takes tenacity. It takes a roar to go against the grain. And the writer of Hebrews tells us, hey, by faith, it's how our forefathers Build incredible testimonies, and it'll be how you build your testimony. By faith. By faith. So be strong in your faith. Believe and speak. Take a stand. Don't compromise. 
Last thing I want to leave you with is number five. When faith speaks, here it is, the invisible realm gives birth. Everything you want is in the unseen realm. The way you get it is through faith, believing and speaking. Kind of marriage you want? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of work you got to do. But the foundation is believing and speaking. Yeah, you're going to have to read a lot of books. You're going to have to visit a few therapists. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to somebody in here. But the foundation will always be believing and speaking. I want to start a business. That's good. You're going to need a lot of things. But never start without laying the foundation, believing and speaking. Because it's that faith that will pull what you're believing for out of the unseen realm. Guys, I've seen it. I've seen it. I remember when the Lord said, I'm going to take you to the nations. I said, God, you got the wrong guy. Have you seen my room? Have you asked my parents, God? They're going to tell you no right away because I didn't get good grades. My car's a mess. My room is a mess. How are you going to take me? God says, don't worry about that. I'll work it out, but just believe me. I said, okay. So every day I would go back to using my faith, walk in my bedroom floor, and I would see myself getting on airplanes. I would see myself standing on platforms. I would see it, but I had to speak it. I had to speak it. And I would do that day after day after day. And my faith was pulling what was in the invisible realm into the earth. Today, I've been to close to 50 different nations. You guys hear me say that all the time. You want to know why? Because it's one of my miracles. I should have never gone to a single one. Well, maybe Mexico. Amen, amen, maybe Mexico. I got people there. I got people there. Give me that one, all right? But the rest of them? Took my dad with me to Indonesia a few years ago. Stood on a platform with 6,000 people. They picked us up at the, at the hotel in a chopper, flew us in on a, on, a, on a helicopter. My first time there. Took us from our, our hotel to the church in a helicopter because traffic is so bad. Then when they took us to the airport, they gave us six police entourage to get me to the airport on time. I sat in those moments and I thought only you, God, could have did this. And here's what I heard. Here's what I heard. I heard the Spirit of God said, thanks for believing in me. He's looking, y'all. He's looking. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Guys, this is just a reminder for many of you. But I could not preach about supernatural power without getting you to understand that you've got to believe and speak. How many more messages do you need to get up and hear somebody tell you this before you'll start doing it? How much time is going to be wasted because you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Proverbs says this, until you love to do it, you won't eat of the fruit. You got to love to get up every day and make your confessions. Why do you think we do the offering confession? Man, we've been doing that for years, right? You know, we've been doing that for years. And I'm sure people walk in and go, man, they still doing that? Yes! Because it's faith tied to my giving. It's faith. 
How long are you going to wait before you start? Quit complaining and start confessing. Quit complaining, start confessing. But pastor, it's so hard. I get it. But complaining and whining is not going to make it easier. But confessing will. Confessing, declaring will. Amen? Do me a favor right now. Look at your neighbor. Say, stop whining. Ooh, some of you got dirty looks when you said that to him. Ooh, we're going to start a fight in here. It's going to be on Fox 40 tonight. Chairs were flying at Elevate Life Church. Pastor started a brawl. Listen, I, I got to tell you because we let it slip so often. We let our complaints, we all got things to complain about. But we honor God when we hold our complaints. We bring our complaints to him and we bring our confession to pull into the, from the unseen realm. What is it that you can't see that you need? Maybe it's a healing. Maybe it's a healing. Man, they have been dealing with this condition for a lot of years. Let's pull it. Let's start waking up every day. God, I thank you that I'm completely healed. I'm completely healed. This condition, Lord, that, that, that I have and the doctor says it won't go away, I thank you that there's coming a day where I'll wake up and it won't be in my body. And do it. Lord, I'm tired of being single, but there's going to come a day when I'm going to wake up next to my husband. That's all right. Amen, me ladies. Come on. Some of y'all, y'all pulled that back. Well, no, no. Amen. It come into agreement. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.